Today we are celebrating Epiphany. That's the day we remember the wise men going to visit Jesus. Ideally, it's celebrated 12 days after Christmas. That's what forms the 12 days of Christmas. But that would have been on Monday, this past Monday, and I don't think we would have gotten a lot of you out for church on that Monday. But I have to admit, I don't feel any guilt about having it a handful of days further along. Because if we really look at the Gospel of Matthew, from which this story comes, it really implies that it could have been as long as two years before the Magi arrived to see Jesus. So we could be celebrating this in some kind of weird every-other-year fashion. And so doing it this Sunday, not so bad. Now, it's interesting to look at who these... These magi were. That's the term that's actually used in the scripture. Magi, from which we now get the term magician. They were people who were very smart, very learned, but nowadays we probably call them astrologers, that they were interested in the signs that could be gained from seeing the movement of stars and planets in the sky. So in the time of Jesus, they were well-respected. Nowadays, not so much. As you may have figured out at some point, including this morning, the tradition that they were kings comes from the psalm that we had a few moments ago, where it talks about the kings of Tarshish, etc., etc. So it doesn't even come from Matthew that they were kings. But I'm going to use that image for a couple minutes. And this is going to be one of those sermons that I can't footnote. I haven't read anywhere from any scholar, this interpretation I'm about to give, haven't even seen it in a hymn, which tends to play fast and loose with a gospel story. So if you want to just step back in your mind and think about what you got for Christmas, that's fine. You're <laughs> off the hook. But I think I have something interesting to say, and that is that I wonder why it took them so long to get there that whether it was 12 days or two years, surely God could have got, given them a head start enough to arrive at the same time as the shepherds who got there that night. That story comes from the Gospel of Luke. And so taking that image of the kings, we often have the, the mental image of Three men, simply three because it's three gifts, the number's not mentioned in the scripture. Three men who are wearing beautiful robes, who have crowns, who are well-fed, who are well-groomed, sort of like the statues that we have here. I'm thinking that they traveled as long as they did so that they could become normal. So that they could get some road dust on their fancy robes so that they would drop some pounds from walking for so long, that they would travel so far that they would no longer be on their home turf, that they'd be strangers in a strange land, that they would have a sense of humility that they would not have if they made a fast journey. I think this is a great metaphor for how the Christian spiritual walk functions. That we'd like it that we would go from point A to point B, lickety-split, 
spick and span, being fantastic looking the whole time. But the way life works is that often it humbles us. Often we have obstacles, we have failures, we have sorrows that humanize us, that get us to let go of our egos, let go of our our desire to prove ourselves, and instead be able to walk humbly with God, to look at our fellow human beings as fellow travelers, as opposed to competition, to look at the world around us and see how God is caring for everyone, rather than just worrying about what I can get from God. I think that's what the three kings were experiencing on their journey. So rather than thinking of them as three kings, and to draw in the biblical term, I think of them as the messy magi. Because by the time they get to the home where the Holy Family is, they're skinny. Their beards are too long. Their robes are a mess. They look like they've been traveled hard and hung up wet because that has been kind of what's happened day after day, week after week, as they've traveled to get to Bethlehem. And they had a bit of a shock because if you're going to go visit the newborn king, if you're going to visit the prince who's born into the palace, you can expect a pretty good party. You can expect a grand celebration. If you want to picture medieval times, there'd be minstrels and boars and things like that. That doesn't happen in this case. Instead, the messy magi arrive and find this impoverished pair of parents who are doing their best to care for the baby Jesus but don't have a lot to offer. They don't have a big feast. They don't have entertainment. They don't have a huge celebration going on. But we can pretty easily guess that the Messy Magi were welcomed. Were welcomed by Mary and Joseph. Were allowed to to hold the baby Jesus and tickle his chin and make him laugh. That the Messy Magi weren't scary looking anymore. They were normal looking. They wouldn't have scared a two-year-old. They would have looked like just everyone else that the baby Jesus or the toddler Jesus encountered in his day-to-day life. Again, a wonderful image for our Christian walks that we get to be messy. In fact, we have to be messy in order to make sense to the rest of the world that if we're always perfect or try to present ourselves that way, people will know that there's a lie behind that. Because none of us are perfect. All of us mess up. All of us fall short. All of us are disappointed. All of us are ill at times. All of us are injured. On and on and on and on. And that's how the messy magi would have had no choice but to present themselves to Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Messy. Smelly. And then suddenly, they have these gifts to share. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. There's an old joke about how if the wise men had been wise women, they would have brought diapers, and casserole, and useful things. Not 
these crazy gifts that now Mary and Joseph are going to have to take care of. But what's interesting is that there's nowhere in this story that says that the messy magi dipped into their treasures to take care of themselves, to make their journey easier, to hold some back for the return journey. Instead, they gave the very best of what they had with them still. Their robes were no longer suitable to be a gift. Their appearance was no longer suitable to be a gift. But the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh was the very best. Again, an image for us. What do we have to offer to God? It may not be what we want, but whatever is our very best, that is what we offer. Sometimes in a way that's very direct to God, like when we sing or pray, sometimes through the people around us who are in need. However it might be that we offer our best, we follow the path of the messy magi and do just that. And so as we ponder these messy magi who crossed unknown distances over an unknown time to encounter the newborn Christ, hopefully we can be inspired to take similar journeys ourselves, to over and over walk through the wilds of life to encounter Christ, over and over find Christ in unexpected, humble places, over and over offer what we have, the best of what we have, so that God's love can be shared and spread among all the world. It can be a long journey. It can be a journey of two years or 12 days. Or maybe we get to be like the shepherds in just a matter of hours. But however we journey, we can know that God is already with us. And it's simply a deepening rather than a new discovery that lays before us. A deepening of the love we have for Christ, which is always with us and eternally vast and deep and forgiving. And that is what we are called to journey more fully into so that we can share that with others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.